And this is View the Valley's podcast, episode 37 with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. TJ, how are you doing? I don't know that I could be more excited. You know, here we are. It's Tuesday, two days away from Arch Madness. And for you, I'm sure the same thing with the day away from the OBC tournament starting in Evansville. Uh, my favorite weekend of the year. You know, uh, things will pick up Thursday night and uh, it'll be uh, a blur until Sunday. And then Sunday, I'll have that kind of remorseful feeling that, man, there's only one game today and I have to wait until October or November to start seeing NBC games again. So, uh, but it's it's a bittersweet feeling. So, how about you? How are you doing today? Well, I'm I'm just as probably as excited as you are. Uh, really looking forward to the OVC game starting tomorrow. And I don't I don't get the late start time though for the for the back end of the OVC games. You know, the games in Evans. They're all ESPN Plus games, right? So yeah. It's not really, like it's a TV issue. Yeah, it's not it's not a TV issue, but man, the second game on t- Wednesday night and Thursday night. Start at nine thirty Central Time, and that's if the first games don't run long and everything's on time. Right. So I mean, it's make for a long night, but you know, I'll stay up and watch watch all the games for its entirety. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, other than that, I'm just looking forward to NCAA tournament getting here as well. Seeing uh, not only just the Missouri Valley and the Ohio Valley. Uh, with potential upsets once the tournament gets here, you know, depending on matchups. But I really think this year for the NCAA in general, as with as much, uh, I don't know, not confusion, but as many things that have happened this year in college basketball with the restrictions and, you know, fan attendance and, you know, players deciding to sit out, transfer, all these things that come into play. I think this is going to be the year where, we haven't seen this many mid-majors go as far as they will this year compared to years past. I mean, I know... It'll be be interesting to see what the committee does with schools like Duke, North Carolina. You know, I'm seeing more and more that Duke's, you know, maybe first four out, the next four out. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they treat those blue bloods because I know they... I think from a marketing standpoint, you love to have those teams, but even their big fans are probably like, do we, you know, do they even get in? I mean, would you even bother buying tickets to go to Indianapolis if you're a Duke fan this year? You know, and I, I say Duke, but there's a couple schools well, sure. that are in that boat too. Yeah, like I had, I had saw something uh, a couple weeks ago, like Kentucky was in that boat, and at that point they were like five and thirteen. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, where do you, where do you draw the line? I get that, you know, they have a big, you know, big fan support, a lot of money there, but where do you justify the the correct seed that they would get if they got in? Like, would they be right? Would they be like a, you know, twelve seed? You know, I mean, it gets to mm-hmm. a point where it's like you're going to be playing a really good power five, and you might just get blown out. So, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, right. but yeah, it'll be interesting to see where those blue bloods go if how many get in, and you know, just if there's any mid, how many mid majors get that at large? You know, right? It'd be interesting to see that. But we got a lot to get to here this week, TJ. Uh, we'll start it off with a recap of this week's or this past week of games, and then we'll get into our coach of the year, sixth man of the year, and then we'll just get right into the tournament segment where we'll break down uh, some of these matchups that we know that are going to happen, and then uh, you know just maybe like our dark horse and just everything surrounding the NVC and OVC tournament. So first things right. first, TJ. Uh, look back at the Missouri Valley from this past week. Well, if you remember, I had predicted four sweeps and one split, and it, I was almost as far from the truth as I could have actually been. The one split that I predicted ended up being a sweep, and then three of those four other sessions ended up being a split. And the two matchups that were sweeps, the second game went to overtime. And in one case, went to double overtime. So I'll start with my Salukis. They got swept by Loyola, 60-52 to 52 in the first game, fell behind by nine at halftime, and just couldn't muster uh, a comeback. A strong game from Stephen Verplanken. He goes five for five from three-point range to finish with 17 for the Salukis. And Lance Jones, who was announced today as second-team all-conference, finished with 14. The Salukis only managed to shoot two free throws throughout that game, wow. which seems pretty remarkable. So, you know, a, a good defense by Loyola, probably 
I'm sure if you ask Coach Mullins, looking to attack the rim a little bit more, but that's usually a good indication you're not getting in the lane too often when that happens. And for Loyola, uh, Crutwig had 11 points and six boards to go along with four blocks. Norris Braden had 13 points going three for five from three-point range. And Marquise Kennedy had 16 points, went six for six from the free throw line and 30% from the floor. So, or excuse me, uh, five for 10 from the floor. I apologize. So, you know, a pretty good game by them. And SIU just couldn't keep pace there in the second half. Uh, the next day, the Salukis found themselves down 13 at half. Um, and in the second half, Lance Jones outscored Loyola 19 to 18 by himself. So uh, Saluki's made up that 13-point deficit, forced it to overtime. Lance Jones actually had an opportunity to give the Salukis a one-point lead in the last, uh, I forget off the top of my head, last 12 to 15 seconds and missed the the third of those free throws because he hit the first two. And Loyola missed their opportunity at the end of the game, but then dominated in overtime, outscoring the Salukis 9-2. to So, you know, for a team that was looking at SIU being, you know, anywhere from, I think, 6 to the 10 seed, and Loyola, who's going to end up being your champion because Drake fell as well. You know, that was, I mean, I think it kind of indicated how close some of these teams can be on a given night. Uh, Anthony Diabonzo had 16 points for the Salukis before he fouled out in overtime. I think that was a big loss for the Salukis. And Lance Jones, besides his 19 in the second half, had 30 overall. Uh, 11 for 17 shooting, which is pretty efficient, a 5 of 8 of which was from the uh, three-point range. So, you know, he, I think 6 for 9 from two-point range is what it ends up being. So he has a really good game. Saluki still only shot nine free throws. And uh, some big numbers for Loyola. Crutwig with another 20 points. Lucas Williamson, who was named Defensive Player of the Year today with 13. Braden Norris with 12. And then again, Marquise Kennedy with 10 points. So he had, you know, four guys in double figures for uh, Loyola in that second game. Like, again, that one went to overtime before the, uh, Loyola actually won that game. Well, I mean, Indiana you, State. You, I'm sorry, go ahead. You look at that, uh, that game in overtime, it's almost like Carbondale just kind of ran out of steam once overtime mm-hmm. got there. It's like they tried so hard to make that comeback. And once they sent that to overtime, they just kind of, their energy just kind of ran low and. You know, yeah. outscored nine two. So moving on to the Indiana State Valparaiso series, this was a split, and both games uh, were basically decided in the first half. And in game one, Indiana State ends up winning fifty eight to forty three, aided by a nineteen point run in the first half, you know, which led them to a twenty three point lead early, or excuse me, late in the half. End up having a twenty two point lead at half. Uh, Jake LaRavia, big game, 22 points, 14 boards for him. And Randy Miller Jr. with a nice game coming off the, you know, in a starting role, actually scoring 10 points. Uh, for Valparaiso, 11 points and seven boards from Donovan Clay and Ben Cricky with a nice game with 11 points and six boards. So, you know, really, it was the game was a lot. Actually, Valparaiso outscored Indiana State in the second half, but they just could not overcome that 22-point deficit. And... Going into Sunday, excuse me, going into Saturday, uh, Indiana State knew they were the four seed. There's, uh, if you ever get a chance, uh, there's a guy that runs what they call hacksaw grass. Yeah, and he he had all the scenarios played out, and by Saturday, it was like locked in that Missouri State was a hundred percent. Missouri State was the three seed, and Indiana State was the four seed. So I wonder if that, you know, kind of knowing that. Uh, plays into, you know, not that coaches are going to let up, but if kids know that, you know, we're not, we're not going to improve our seed, uh, stuff like that. So game two, uh, kind of a, a flipping of the tables, so to speak, a turn of the tables. Valparaiso wins 70 to 58. And again, they had a 28 point lead in the first half, excuse me, early in the second half. Uh, but they were up 39 to 18 at half. So they had a 21 point lead at half. But Indiana State came storming back. Uh, tried to make a game of it and uh, of a 13-point run of their own in the second half. Trey Williams, 17 points for Indiana State. Jake LaRavia with another double-digit night with 12 points. And Randy Miller Jr., again, the 17 points uh, in the starting role for them. Uh, only got uh, 
three points from Cooper Nice and Julian Larry. Tyreek Key did not play. You know, so, uh, you know, I know Coach had mentioned one of the Zoom calls earlier in the season that he was pretty banged up, Tyreek Key, that, you know, when they were asking what seniors staying, he's like, Tyreek needs to leave. He needs to go and find some place to play and start earning some money. His body's just pretty beat up. But for uh, Valparaiso, 14 points for Ben Cricky, a double-double off the bench for Good News Pagale, one of my all-name teams with 12 points and 11 boards. 19 points from Jacob, Jacob Ognosevich, the freshman out of Wisconsin. And Zion Morgan, um, who hasn't had much playing time this year because of injury, I believe, he had 15 points. So, you know, a good bounce back for Valparaiso coming in that second game. Moving on to Missouri State Evansville, this is probably really the surprise of the weekend for me. First game, uh, Missouri State wins 90 to 81. Demarcus Sharp. Had six assists, but Gage Prim had 33 points on 15 and 19 shooting. And uh, Isaiah Mosley had 26 points. Missouri State actually had 52 points in the paint against Evansville in game one. So you can really see the difference. And of course, I think that's easy to see going in. But Missouri State shot 69% from the floor and 66% from three point range in game one. Uh, for the Purple Aces, 16 for Evan Kuhlman, 26 for Jawan Newton, and 21 points for Shamar Givens. And then Samari Curtis uh, had 11 points. So that was ended up being, again, a 90-81 to 81 win for Missouri State. But then Evansville comes back in Game 2, uh, leads by as many as 18 late in the second half. And they end up winning 72-63, which, again, like I said, was a surprise. I really thought that Missouri State was cruising and was going to be in good shape headed into the tournament. Gage Prim with 17 points again, Isaiah Mosley with 22, and Demarcus Sharp with 13 for the Bears. And then for Evansville, Evan Kuhlman has 17 points and four assists for the big man. Jawan Newton with another great night with 20 points, and Shamar Gibbons with 22. And the Aces shot really well. They were 12 for 24 from third three-point range, 50%, while Missouri State was just 1 for 7. I think that's a, a huge difference there. But again, Missouri State established their game in the paint, went in, uh, outscoring Evansville 46 to 24. So, you know, I think that Missouri State, I think, is still in good shape coming into the tournament here. Our other sweep of the weekend was UNI over Illinois State. They win game 170 to 56 over Illinois State, and the second game went to double overtime. But in game one, Austin Fife with 11 points and eight boards. And Trey Burhow with 15 points. Uh, Bowen Bourne, who's just named freshman of the year today, uh, with 12 points. And Noah Carter, who's had a really nice season, had 12 points as well. And the Panthers win despite just shooting 20% from three-point range. Uh, for Illinois State, it was about all the big men to go along with Austin Fife's Northern Iowa stats. Dusan Mahorsic had 18 points and eight boards, and Antonio Reeves had 10 points. Uh, big run for uh, Northern Iowa in the first half. They had, excuse me, in the second half, they went on a 10-point uh, run and ended up. They had a 17-point lead with about two minutes to go. So, uh, really, kind of uh, took over this game. Second game, double overtime win for Northern Iowa, 94-87. Um, I think both teams would look at this and say they had their chances. Another big game from Austin Fife for the Panthers with 18 points and nine boards. Bowen Bourne with 21 points and seven assists, and he really shot well. He had some really big shots for them down the stretch. Trey Burhow with 14, and Noah Carter, like I said, having a heck of a season, had 22 points. And, you know, the... Panthers shot 11 for 28, so for 40% from three-point range. Dusan Mahorsic, another big game for the big man from uh, Illinois State, 20 points and nine boards. DJ Horn, who uh, has been battling some uh, injury, I believe, off the bench, 34 points and, and five assists for Illinois State, 11 points from Antonio Reeves, and 14 points from Josiah Strong. They, uh, the, car, the Redbirds, excuse me shot 81% from the free throw line. And then finally, our last matchup, another, I, I guess I should take this back, the Missouri State losing to Evansville wasn't as big a surprise as this, but Drake splits with Bradley. And uh, first game, Drake wins 80-71. to 71. Big game out of Tramel Murphy, 13 points, 12 boards. Darnell Brody, 
goes 10 for 13 from the floor for 21 points, 16 each for DJ Wilkins and Joseph Yusufu, Yusufu, excuse me, and Garrett starts with 11 points. Uh, for Bradley, Ryan Mast with 14 points and seven boards, Kevin McAdoo with 10, and Billy Tavaninen with 10 as well. And again, they're, they're missing three of those guys that are suspended, and I don't think there's any indication that they're going to play this weekend either. So, so it, go ahead. That's even more of a surprise to see that you know Bradley was able to get past Drake. You know nothing against mm-hmm. uh, the players on Bradley, but just as short-handed as they are, you know yeah. Drake being as good as they've been most of the year. You know I just I didn't see that ha- that coming. You know Bradley being able to get by Drake. You know with yeah. basically only playing six guys. I mean they had. Henry Henry played, but he only had eight minutes, so they yeah. really played Cause, this. Because he went out with an injury early and was in a boot by the end of the game. And uh, Coach said that he was getting x-rays, I believe, yesterday or today. So, I mean, if you're looking at he's in a boot, is he going to be able to play three days later? I I, I think not. I mean, real gutsy performance by Bradley, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, shorthanded, I think Coach indicated that they may be down to six um, – scholarship players by Thursday when they take on SIU in the first round. So, but yeah, gutsy win. I, I just, it felt like um, Bradley didn't, or Drake, Drake didn't shoot very well. They were 42% from the floor overall, but two for 17 from three point range. Uh, got 12 points out of Darnell Brody, 21 points out of Yesifu, who went nine for 10 from the floor and a double, 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 double from my boy, Garrett Sturge going 12 points and 11 boards. Ryan Mast for Bradley led the way. Uh, well, he didn't lead the way. He had 14 points and eight boards. So he kind of build the stat page up on that side. Their leading scorer was Jason Kent with 15 points, 14 from Sean East, the second, and Antonio Thomas rounded out that with 11 points. And again, uh, didn't shoot particularly well. They were 42% from the floor, 27% from three-point range. It was just one of those games that the breaks seemed to go uh, Bradley's way. What few breaks there were, you know, I say that and they lose, they lose another player, another one of their key uh, pieces in Jashawn Henry. So, uh, you know, I know Coach was pretty happy with his his players' efforts. And if you're Coach Wardle, I think you have to be. I mean, if you come out and beat the team that was gonna be the number one seed if they win that game, because the tiebreaker had actually changed this season so if drake would have won that game they would have been the one seed by virtue of the tiebreaker they weren't using net this year so uh, two big surprises i think here in that last weekend of the season so it makes it makes for an interesting tournament come this weekend yeah you're you know? exactly right i mean a lot of teams in there jumbled together like it usually mm-hmm. is in the uh, missouri valley so be interesting to see which teams come to play and how they uh, fare at the neutral court right but on the Ohio Valley side, there were uh, there were a couple good games and then a couple upsets that uh, a lot of people didn't really see happening. Uh, we'll start out on Thursday. Uh, UT Martin traveled to SIU Edwardsville, one of those matchups where both teams were trying to get into the tournament with a win. Uh, SIUE would end up winning 66-53, so that already guaranteed them a spot in the tournament. It was just a factor of come Saturday if they're going to get that seventh seed or eighth seed. But Lamar Wright led the way for the Cougars with 16 points, 10 rebounds, so double-double for him. He also had an assist. Uh, Jerron Williams paced uh, the Skyhawks with 20 points, three rebounds, four assists in the game. But in that game, uh, SIUE was able to I mean, basically knocked down 50% from the floor. They shot a sizzling 48.8% from the floor. And just like the just like the Bradley Braves, they only basically they only went uh, seven guys. Uh, mm-hmm. And one of the guys on the bench only played four minutes. So really, SIUE stayed out of foul trouble. They had two guys that had four fouls. But their starting rotation, each guy was in double figures except one. So very balanced scoring effort by the Cougars. And ultimately, their three-point defense won them the game as they held UT Martin to just 20% from behind the arc. Uh, outside of that game, you had Moorhead State up in Tennessee State, 74-60. to 60. 
Uh, Moorhead State was led by James Baker Jr. He had 15 points and four blocks, so a big game defensively for Baker. But a couple of these other games, uh, Belmont and Eastern Kentucky, this was, a, mm-hmm. this was the game that a lot of people were watching, especially in the OVC and not even just in the OVC. I mean, if Belmont... If Belmont gets by Eastern Kentucky, uh, there's a chance, depending on how far they go in the OVC tournament, they may get an an at-large bid, depending on how some of these other teams would fare in their conference tournament or how they would end the season. But Eastern Kentucky basically uh, threw that out the window for Belmont, I would assume. Uh, Eastern Kentucky won 81-67. I mean, Eastern Kentucky was shooting lights out. It seemed like everything they threw up went in. Uh, and that helped them get to 50 points in the first half. Uh, they shot over 50% from the floor. And Wendell Green Jr., I mean, my goodness, he's he's only a freshman. But, man, he plays like he's a senior out there. Uh, he has looked so smooth most of this year. He was 8-19 from the floor. Total 22 points, three assists. And then even Kurt Lewis, 15 points, 7-11 from the floor. And then Trey King, uh, 14 points. So balanced attack by Eastern Kentucky. And two of those guys right there, uh, Trey King and Wendell Green Jr., uh, both of them made the All-OVC first team. Uh, But their defense, their defense in the first half is basically what sealed the deal for the Colonels, uh, they held they held Belmont for the game just 26% from three-point range, but that went up a little bit because it seemed like in the first half, Belmont just couldn't buy a bucket. Uh, it's, it seemed like any time Belmont got the ball, Eastern Kentucky was just, just either trading baskets or, I mean, you'd look up and it was like a 20, it seemed like tw- always a 20-point lead in the first half. I mean, it closed out to about an 18 before the half, but... Big game for Eastern Kentucky. Uh, another game, two teams trying to get the, get that seeding for the middle of the pack in the OVC, Murray State at Jacksonville State. Uh, recently this year, Jacksonville State went to Murray State and would win on the road. So Murray State was trying for a revenge game here. Didn't work out. Jacksonville State won 87-74 at home. Improved to 16-8, 12-6 in the conference. Uh, Darian Adams, career-high 30 points. Uh, big part of what Jacksonville State's been doing this year. And if Jacksonville State wants to make a run in the tournament, they're going to need Darian Adams to step up just like he did in this game. Uh, but the part that stands out in this game, not only Jacksonville State shooting 56% from the floor, but three-point shooting for the Gamecocks, 54%. Thir- wow. 13 of 24 from behind the arc, and that's where Darian Adams comes in with that career high. He was 7-9 from three-point range. I mean, that is incredible. It's remarkable. I mean, you don't even see that in Power 5 games that, that often. I mean, 7-9, uh, you just tip your cap. Uh, Murray State, not bad either from three-point range, over 40%. You shoot over 40% from three-point range on 32 attempts, you're thinking you're either going to win the game or it's it's come down to the wire. But mm-hmm. Jacksonville State played great on defense. Uh, didn't force too many, too many turnovers, but they were able to hold Murray State to just 40% from the floor, whereas Jacksonville State was 56%. Um, K.J. Williams didn't have one of his uh, stronger performances of the year. Only had eight points, was in foul trouble a little bit. He did have four fouls and only totaled 24 minutes for the racers. But Tevin Brown uh, paced the way for uh, Murray State. He had 22 points on 7 of 14 shooting, including 6 of 11 from three-point range. And he did add four assists in the game. Another matchup that involved teams trying to get their way into the OVC tournament uh, Southeast Missouri at Eastern Illinois. And I tell you what, TJ, uh, for being a guy that's watched SEMO hoops for as long as I can remember, especially the last you know five, six, seven years, what SEMO's been able to do in the last couple games offensively, you haven't seen it in a long, long time. 
and they put up 94 points against Eastern Illinois. I, mm-hmm. 55 points in the second half after trailing 44 to 39 uh, helped them basically secure their spot in the OVC tournament. All they had to do was get one win out of their final two games, and they were in. They did that against Eastern Illinois on the road, 94-88 to get their second road win. Uh, the Red Hawks were led by Eric Reed with a career, a season-high 27 points, uh, which is also his uh, career record at SEMO. Uh, also, DQ Nicholas, 14 points. He's been a guy that's basically, he's the guy that's going to get the uh, rest of the players involved with some assists. He only had one assist, but it was his free throw shooting that really helped SEMO. He was 9-12, a lot of those free throws coming towards the end of the game and played just 21 minutes, a very productive night for him on the floor. And then you have uh, Nana Kenton, 11 points on three of six, shooting from three-point range. But it was the bench for SEMO that really helped pave the way. Uh, Darius Agnew, 10 points off the bench, along with Nate, Nate Johnson. Each of them had 10 points in 16 minutes and 15 minutes of playing time. So big minutes for them off the bench, as well as Nigel Russell, uh, eight points in that game. And then Parker Long hasn't seen a whole lot of playing time for SEMO, but he did have a big bucket in the game. He hit a a three-pointer at the buzzer going into the locker room at the half. Um, He ended up finishing with five points, but nonetheless, a big bucket for Parker Long as that helped SEMO kind of try and turn that momentum as the second half was uh, starting to roll even closer. You look at Eastern Illinois in the game, big game or big day for their starting rotation. Uh, Didn't have a lot of depth on the bench, and that goes back to just having the bad luck of the draw this year. I mean, they've battled COVID COVID protocols, and especially as of late, they've been battling injuries. So they didn't have a whole lot of guys they could turn to on the bench. Only had five points off the bench, but you look at their starting lineup. Max Smith, 8 of 13 from the floor, 5 of 10 from deep. Finished with 22 points overall. Marvin Johnson added 17. And Jordan Skipper Brown, 20 points as well, 7 boards. And Sammy Friday uh, contributed 15 as well. I mean, you, you look at that game, that, that game knocked Eastern Illinois out of the OVC tournament uh, conversation. You, you just, for a team that had so many seniors, for uh, Coach Spoonauer, you're not sure how it's going to look next year because you just don't know if if all those seniors or if any are going to come back and use that extra year of eligibility. I mean, yeah, you have senior night and and what have you, but I don't know how you – how do you justify a season like that? I mean, honestly, from a from a fan looking on, and obviously I'm not the one that makes the decisions, but it's hard to blame a head coach when it just seemed like every game you had seven guys right. with the majority of your starting rotation just out every single game. You know, they, they weren't picked to win the conference. But they were picked to finish in the middle of the pack, and it seemed like if if those seniors were able to do what they did, especially at the beginning of the year against some of those Power 5 teams like Wisconsin or playing Dayton close, uh, you'd have thought they'd have had a chance to uh, be a dark horse in the OVC tournament for sure. But hopefully Coach Spoonauer, they don't uh, uh, look look down on him for that for the 9-17 and 17 record as he just didn't have a whole lot to work with for basically the whole year. Uh, last game on that Thursday, big upset. Austin P on the road at Tennessee Tech. Tennessee Tech gets a big win, 81-76, led by Junior Clay. Junior Clay had a career-high 31 points, including uh, the clinching free throws in the final seconds. That helped Tennessee Tech get their fourth win on the season, fourth win in conference play as well. Uh but as a team like Austin P that's going into the conference tournament, uh, they've had a few losses here recently, so they don't have as much momentum as other teams do. Uh, but it's hard to, you know, you go on the road, it doesn't matter if you're playing a team with a winning record or a team with a losing record, especially when it's senior night. 
uh, whenever it's senior night, it, it I don't know what it is, but it seems like every single time th- the team that's maybe not expected to win, they always come out and they they play their ass off. You know, they they don't want those seniors to to leave for the last time on that court. You know, with a loss, they want them to remember that as a you know a big game and a you know good memories and. That's exactly what Tennessee Tech did. They trailed by three at the half. But my goodness, they shot 56% from the floor and 50% from three-point range. And Junior Clay was a big reason for that win. 31 points, six of eight from three-point range. And then you also got to mention Keyshawn Davidson for Tennessee Tech. Finished with 21 points uh, as a sophomore. So that basically wraps up the Thursday games. You make your way into the Saturday slate of games, and no different than Thursday. A couple couple teams trying to figure out where, what seed they're going to get. Uh, but we'll start off with Belmont. You know they lost on Thursday. They followed up with back to back losses. Uh, Moorhead State, eighty nine, eighty two, big win for Coach Spradlin and Moorhead State as they now go into the tournament with a little momentum, thinking, hey, we just beat the number one seed. You know, we have two mm-hmm. seed on lock. They went 89-82 in overtime. Uh, Johnny Broom scored 20 points with 12 rebounds, so a double-double for him. That was one of the guys on my all-OVC first team list uh, on last week's episode. Uh, we'll get into some of these guys here in a little bit. Uh, UT Martin, winners on the road at Eastern Illinois. UT Martin... Uh, second road win of the year for them. They end the season uh, on a high note for them. They get a win 73-68 after trailing by seven at the half. And one thing to note here, uh, Cameron Holden, season-high 27 points at UT, for UT Martin. Uh, Holden was actually out for that game uh, Thursday against SIUE. Wow, that would have been a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's been their best player all year. So that's just one area where you've just been juggling for teams, just trying to – sometimes you're out with your best player. You just never know who you're going to have right before game time. I believe it was a a family matter. So, Uh, But Skyhawks were glad to get him back for the last game of the year. Uh, Austin P. traveled to Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State came away with an eight-point win, 75-67 led by the UNC transfer, Brandon Huffman. He had a double-double, 18 points, 12 boards. Simo Simo and SIUE, both in the tournament. One of them was going to get the seventh seed. The other was going to get that eighth seed. Depending on who won the game was going to depend on who had the higher seed. Simo came away, 69-63 win. They they end the season on a very, very uh, good note. I mean, they have a lot of momentum riding into the tournament. SIUE gets into the OVC as the eighth seed. Uh, Courtney Carter for the Cougars, 16 points in the game. Now, I know SIUE's got a big, you know, big task at hand playing Belmont in the first game. We'll get to that here in a little bit, but good to see the Cougars get into the OVC tournament uh, as well as SEMO, okay? Uh, Tennessee State. Went to Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky already in the tournament. Uh, Tennessee State was uh, there on the outside. Didn't have a chance to get into the tournament, even if they won. But they played They played their butts off to try and keep it close down in Richmond. Uh, Eastern Kentucky won by five, led by Wendell Green Jr. He had 23 points for Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Tennessee State was led by Mark Freeman. Uh, he's he's done his thing all year for the Tigers, and it was, you know, he followed that up in the last game of the year, 21 points and five assists. He did have seven turnovers, but he did his part trying to keep the team in it. Uh, Tennessee State did shoot 53% from the floor, and their foul shooting kept him in the game. They shot nearly 78% from the floor on 18 attempts. The one area here you think – Tennessee State shot well, 14 of 18 from the foul line. You go down to Eastern Kentucky, 96% from the charity strike. That's great. They attempted 28 free throws 
made 27 of them, led by Wendell Green. He was 12 of 13 from the foul line, which helped him get to that you know 23, 23 points for the game. Uh, Kurt Lewis, another big game for Eastern Kentucky, back-to-back games for him, uh, 20 points, six rebounds. Those were two of the main guys that kept kept Eastern Kentucky, you know, above Tennessee State for the majority of the game. Uh, Eastern Kentucky finished the game shooting just over 44% from the floor. Outside of that, uh, Tennessee Tech, again, a team that really finished on a high note for the season. You know, they may not have gotten into the OVC tournament, but after beating Austin P, they turned it around and beat Murray State at home, 71-61. So I think I had said earlier that that was senior night for Tennessee Tech. I meant to say that for this game. Uh, but uh, senior night for Tennessee Tech, they did their thing, getting past Murray State. They led by three at the half, but another big game for Junior Clay. Back-to-back games for him that helped lead the Golden Eagles to arguably their best performance of the year. I mean, people would say, well, no kidding. They had five wins. But really, how they played the last two games, I think, is what the Tennessee Tech coaching staff was really trying to hope for most of the year. Because it wasn't like they played two, you know, below average teams. I mean, Murray State and Austin P both winning record in the overall and in the conference. And, And not only that, I mean, you beat the team with uh, Terry Taylor, who mm-hmm. who speaks for himself. Yep. Uh, but other than that, Davidson again for Tennessee Tech, uh, 15 points. Uh, Tennessee Tech shot over 42% from the floor. But big part of this game was Tennessee Tech's defense against Murray State. Uh, Tennessee Tech was able to force 17 racer turnovers, which helped uh, Tennessee Tech uh, finish the year with a two-game win streak so a lot has happened in the ovc in the last uh last week but the field is set we know the eight teams we know which seeds they are uh so we'll get into that here uh just here in a few minutes tj but before we get to the tournament uh we'll give you our coach of the year and sixth man of the year i'll let you go first tj with the missouri valley side well, when it came to coach of the year, I kind of went back and forth. I actually had one name written down. Had we said it last week, I probably would have gone with Darren DeVries. And it's not to say that he's done anything in the last week to make me think he's not worthy of it. But the more I thought about it, I, the, the job that Todd Licklider has done at Evansville for a team that went 0-18 in conference play, 0-19 if you include losing in the tournament, to make them viably competitive – you know, they obviously lost several games here coming down the stretch because they were facing the, the four best teams in the, the league at that point. But, you know, they were picked to finish 10th and, you know, they're they're going to they're they, and they avoided Thursday night. You know, they're actually going to get to play in that sixth seed, excuse me, in the five seed. I apologize. You know, for a team that was picked to finish 10th, I think that's a heck of a job. And you got, you got to credit Todd Licklider and his staff for that. And like I said, Darren DeVries, I thought, you know, the overcoming of the loss of Robbins to, to Minnesota. But then you kind of look at it, they had back-to-back 20-win seasons come into this year. So maybe we should have seen this coming. Maybe this is a three-year job for DeVries as opposed to just like, hey, they did really well this year. So uh, Todd Licklider gets my vote for Coach of the Year. My sixth man, uh, while it was announced by the Missouri Valley today, actually went to Joseph Yesifu of Drake. I chose a different bulldog. I went with Garrett Sturts. Um, I don't, I think the, the rule is that they had to start less than 25% of their, their team's games. And I think he qualified for that. Uh, he was pretty close at least. So maybe that disqualified him overall, but Garrett starts, uh, through 25 games. When I put these together last year or last week, excuse me, he had five starts. He was averaging about 24 minutes a game, 8.4 points, five rebounds and shooting 81% from the free throw line to go along with averaging one assist and one and one steal per game. So uh, I don't have any argument with, with Yesifu as the sixth man, especially if Sturz was disqualified for having started too many games, because I think uh, if he started those two, two games this last weekend, that gives him seven of 27, which would be more than 25%. But I still think that the premise was there without the injuries to Hemphill and 
Roman Penn later on, I think, you know, Sertz still isn't in the starting lineup. So those are my two guys. Todd Licklider from Evansville for Coach of the Year and Garrett Sertz from Drake for Sixth Man of the Year. How do things look on the OVC side? So for the OVC, uh, Coach of the Year, I went with Moorhead State Coach Spradlin. Uh, didn't get the first first seed in the tournament, but you really got to look at the turnaround he did from last year to this year for the Eagles. Uh, this year, Moorhead State, 20-7, and seven, have ended the season on a four-game win streak, but really have played a lot better than that four-game win streak. They had a loss to Belmont uh, five games ago, but before that, I mean, they were just on a roll. But the reason I like Coach Spradlin here as Coach of the Year, I mean, you look at what they did last year. You know, they they didn't really have a big high point last year. They were one game over 500 January 11th at 9-8. and eight. Uh, They were 3-1 and one in the conference at that point. But then the end of the season, 13-19 and 19 overall, 7-11 in conference play. So big turnaround for Moorhead State going from 13 wins to 20 wins currently as obviously that win total could go up uh, starting with tomorrow's game. But it's how he was able to keep his keep his team engaged in the season. And you look at what they did to start the year. You know, I talked about their loaded non-conference schedule multiple times throughout these podcasts we've done each week. You know, they start the season one and four with losses to Kentucky, Richmond, Ohio State, and then they lost their first conference game at Eastern Kentucky. So by no means is it a start that you want as a coach or as a player. And it's it's easier for a coach to kind of look past those losses as, you know, he, he, coaches realize you're not you're not expected to win at Kentucky or at Ohio State. But as a player, you know, some players, you know, they take it mentally. You know, it takes a toll on them when you see them lose 81-45 then you go on the road again, you lose 82-64, then you lose by 33 at Ohio State, and then you, they start to think, okay, well, we get a conference game here, we're, we'll get back into it, well, then they fall by three to start you know, conference play, and then it's like, well, now we have two games against non-Division one teams, so yeah, it'll help gain some confidence back, which it's, it's good to get those confidence builder games right after a, a rough stretch. Uh, but then then after winning against Eastern Kentucky, they lose to SIUE and then lose by 15 to Clemson. So a real tough stretch for Moorhead State to start the season going 4-6, and six, losing most of those games by 15 points or more. So you take away those two games against non-Division I opponents, they're basically 2-6 and six to start the year. Wow. And to see what... Uh, Coach Spradlin was able to do keep his team mentally and physically ready to go for basically the meat of the schedule for Ohio Valley. It's truly unbelievable. You know, you go from essentially two and six when you don't count the uh, non-division one games to just rattling off. You know, going from one and two in conference play to next thing you know they're thirteen and two in conference, and then they lose Mm -hmm. at Belmont. So. Just a hell of a job for Coach Spradlin and the whole Moorhead State coaching staff, and especially the the players. I mean, Johnny Broom. I mean, it seemed like more times than not he was he either had a double double or he was right there. You know, Moorhead State really didn't do anything flashy on offense, but their defense was hands down uh, really good. And for my sixth player of the year. I kind of I did a little bit of a di- little digging here. Uh, probably a guy that not many people would even it wouldn't even be on the radar. Uh, but just trying to sp- spread the love here, if you will. Uh, so I went with Simo's Jordan Love. Uh, he only averaged six points this year, but throughout the throughout conference play, he really hit some big shots for Simo. Uh, the way they ended, basically ended the, ended most of the season. Uh, he had 14 points for ten, against Tennessee Tech, and he had 11 points in the Murray State game. But more importantly, 
he just seemed like he was all over the floor at times. He had over one steal per game for SEMO. Wasn't a great free throw shooter. We'll throw that out the window. Uh, but he only played 20 games. So he didn't play, uh, you know, the full slate of games for SEMO. But he seemed to be uh, one of Coach Korn's favorite guys to come off the bench early if a guy was in foul trouble or if SEMO uh, needed, you know, a sense of urgency. Whenever he'd come in, he he would always seem to hit a big shot, whether it be a three-pointer or a finger roll in the lane. Uh, so Jordan Love is my uh, sixth man of the year. Awesome. Uh, other than that, TJ, we got a lot to get to here for the uh, conference tournament. Uh, don't have a lot of time left, but we got a lot of knowledge to uh, to basically just you know spill out right now so we'll let, we'll uh we'll let you go first here tj for uh you know the missouri valley tournament well you have to play in games on thursday so bradley and uh, southern illinois will play the first game and i think you know they split earlier in the season i think southern illinois should be able to win this game you know after defeating them with all those guys that are now suspended not knowing what's going to happen with Deshaun henry uh you know all those things are going to kind of come into play here I think Northern Iowa, despite having swept Illinois State this weekend, I think that's enough to give Northern Iowa a sense of uh, complacency maybe that, hey, you know, we just beat these guys twice last week and look for Illinois State. And I think D.J. Horn leads the Redbirds to a win there. After that, really the seeds play out for me because I just think there's been such a big difference between the top four teams and everybody else. So I have Loyola and Indiana State facing off in the semifinals after Indiana State beats uh, Evansville and Loyola beats Southern Illinois. And then the bottom half of the bracket, Drake defeating Illinois State in the two, which would be 10 game, and Missouri State uh, defeating Valparaiso. So my semifinal matchups, I have Loyola over Indiana State. I just think Loyola has been playing pretty well um, as of late. And then my mild upset is Missouri State over Drake in the other semifinal. I mean, I have Missouri State, I think, will win Arch Madness this year. I just think they're going to be able to put it together this weekend if something tells me, you know, between Mosley and Black and Prim, they're going to be a tough trio to beat this weekend. And, uh, you know, over the experience of Cameron Crutwig and the rest of the Ramblers. So I'm looking for a Missouri State win is what I think is going to happen this weekend. Okay. Uh is that going to be your dark horse for the uh, Missouri Valley tournament? Yeah, I don't think you can go much deeper than, you know, the top four seeds looking at a uh, somebody else to win it. I just think the, the difference has been too vast. And, you know, last year was an anomaly with two teams getting, you know, from Thursday all the way to Saturday, much less Valparaiso getting to uh, the championship game. And if you look at the, the stats and how they play out over the years, that the top three seeds are heavily favored overall and with good reason because they're the better teams. So, you know, uh, you know, I think the tournament uh, has been won. What is it? Uh, 39 times by the, one of the top three seeds. Jeez. So that's, you know. that's consistent. So on the, so, yeah. on the Ohio, Ohio Valley side here, starting, uh, late tomorrow night, Wednesday. Uh, different format this year than what a lot of than what everybody in the OVC is, you know, accustomed to seeing uh, year in and year out. Uh, so you got the quarterfinal games tomorrow. Uh, SIUE with the eight seed. Uh, they play Belmont, who's uh, the one seed. SIUE finished the season nine and sixteen, seven and twelve in the conference. Belmont lost two in a row. Uh, working their way into the tournament, twenty-four and three, eighteen and two overall. I think one of the one of the key points here is uh, how healthy uh, Nick Musinski is going to be. Uh, he was he was on the bench uh, in the final games uh, with a walking boot on. So mm-hmm. uh, there's no, I mean, hopefully for Belmont's sake, he's healthy and ready to go. Um, or if maybe at least they get him out there a little bit, depending on if he's full strength or not. I don't know the severity of that. Uh, I probably should have looked into that. Uh, bad journalism on my part. Um, I forgive you. Oh, thanks. And then uh, the 930 game. Uh, what, this is a game I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing. 
Uh, it's SEMO with the seven seed against Moorhead State with the two seed. Now, Moorhead State's the two seed, but they, they're coming in playing some really good basketball. Uh, 20 and 7 overall, 17 13 in the conference. SEMO's 11 and 15, 9 and 11. But while Moorhead State has gotten a lot of, you know, a lot of popularity this year for, you know, being as good as they've been, SEMO uh, is w- one of the hottest teams right now going into the OVC tournament. They've won four of their last five. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, I haven't seen a SEMO offense look like this in a stretch of games like this in a long, long time. You go back to five games ago, they beat Austin P 86-81. Then they beat Eastern Kentucky 94-72. Then they scored 65 points in a loss. Then they beat Eastern Illinois 94 points. Then they beat SIUE on the road. So their offense has been playing outstanding. Uh, their defense is going to have to be really good against Moorhead State because Moorhead State's going to want to keep this game in the 60s, if not uh, the low, the high end of the 50s. Moorhead State doesn't play all that fast. But uh, going into this last week, SEMA only had one road win and one neutral court win. A neutral court win was against UMKC at the beginning of the season. But with that one true road win, they now have three. So they're playing really good basketball. Coach Korn has done a great job at SEMO this year. And I know Moorhead State is probably one of the one of the picks to go far in this tournament. And I'm not saying SEMO's going to beat Moorhead State, but honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if SEMO did uh get by Moorhead State in this first round. Uh, it's not like it has been in years past where you know one of these lower seeds uh, goes into that game against the one or two seed with less rest than the other team. You know, with this this being a little bit different, they all have the same amount of rest. Right. And right now Vegas has that game at nine point uh, spread for Moorhead State. But SEMO's a scrappy bunch. Uh, they've been able to stay in stay in games with a lot of a lot of teams they have a lot of close losses their record could easily be better than 11 and 15 uh and they were actually beating belmont this year at the half as well so i'll be looking forward to that game uh go to thursday murray state against jacksonville state and then austin p in eastern kentucky uh they say it's hard to beat a team three times well jacksonville states beat murray state twice uh murray state they got some good. They got good talent on on that team in uh, Murray, Kentucky. And Coach McMahon has done a good job at Murray State. Him being in the OVC tournament is is nothing different for him. He's used to it. The Murray faithful is used to uh, Murray State being in the tournament. They may not be used to them being as low of a seat as they are this year, but both these teams are zero and zero now. Uh, it wouldn't. I think it's going to be a great game, but Murray State, I, they want some revenge, uh, so it would not surprise me if Murray State uh, wins against Jacksonville State. Um, I mean, I, two really good teams, two two great coaches, uh, Coach McMahon and Coach Harper. I'm really looking forward to seeing that game and another good matchup down low with K.J. Williams and Brandon Huffman. Uh, go to the 930 game. Now, these are two teams that uh, really, as of late, are going in opposite directions. You got Austin P and Eastern Kentucky. Austin P finished the year 14 and 12, 10 and 10 in the conference. Eastern Kentucky, 21 and 6, 15 and 5 in the conference. Uh, before I forget, uh, I did want to note uh, during this uh, episode that up until, I believe, two days ago, uh, the OVC had three teams with over 20 wins this year in the con- in um, in the conference. You had Eastern Kentucky, Belmont, Moorhead State. They had three teams. There were only eight teams total in all of college basketball that had over 20 wins. So three of them came within the OVC this year. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, Austin P and Eastern Kentucky. Uh, l- really looking forward to that game. Uh, Austin P hasn't had the season 
that they hoped for or that others thought they were going to have, you know, being projected the, you know, to finish atop the OVC along with Murray State. Uh, so I'll, I'll be, I'm intrigued to see how Coach Figure will have the governors uh, come out and how they're going to respond from the last week of basketball they played. You know, they went 0 2 to end the season, whereas Eastern Kentucky, huge win over Belmont and then beat Tennessee State. So they swept the Nashville schools in the final week. Uh, but Coach Hamilton, he seems to always have uh, Eastern Kentucky ready to go. But, you know, it's hard to look past Austin P when you have Terry Taylor, you know, said it mm-hmm. all year. You know, he's been, you know, he won all OVC player of the year, you know, again this year. So last year, two years in a row, he's done what was expected of him. So, you know, it, I think both these games are going to come down to the wire. Uh, and I think either of these four teams could win uh, tomorrow or uh, Thursday and then possibly go on to get to the championship game. Uh, so if we're looking at a dark horse for the OVC, I'll be honest, I'm really not sure if I have one, but when you look at these four teams that are playing on Thursday, I think one of these four teams that are not the one or two seed are playing in the championship. I don't think it's going to be a one versus two in the OVC. I think this year it's going to be pretty open. Um, And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if a one or two seed, if neither of them are in the championship this year for the Ohio Valley. I, th- I just think too too many teams are uh, are more level this year than what the record may may show. Um, so I, I I think some of these teams that that are playing on Thursday uh, they've got a lot to prove or they feel like they have a lot to prove because they didn't have the season that they had hoped. So uh, if I have a if I have a prediction, um, I. I don't think uh, there might be. There's not going to be a one or two seed in the in the championship this year. All right. Um, now, nah, I, mean, I think one of them or neither of them. One of them for sure won't be, but it it would not surprise me if the OVC didn't have the one or two seed playing in the uh, championship. Now, do I think it's going to happen? Uh, if I had to bet on it, I think one of one of those two seeds will be in the championship. But just seeing how how some of these other teams have played uh, leading into the tournament, no, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but yeah, I don't think one of the two seeds will be in there uh, come championship Saturday. But we'll see. Uh, it's going to be a fun week here, TJ. I know you'll be at the Missouri Valley tournament. Um, you know, good for you uh, going out and getting a ticket and. Uh, I'm just hoping for good basketball. I, right. You, know, you never want to see a team get to the turn, just get, you know, stomped. So hopefully on the Missouri Valley side and Ohio Valley side, you know, it's really just some good basketball being displayed. So with that, do you have any final thoughts? I just wanted to give uh, credit, uh, props, I guess you would say, to my Southern Illinois Saluki football team defeating North Dakota State last weekend. Oh. Ending the 39-game winning streak for the Bison. Uh, I mean, soundly beat them. We had the opportunity to go, as I mentioned last week, with a 38-14 victory, uh, which I don't know if anyone could have predicted that coming. I know I definitely didn't after the way the Salukis had looked against North Dakota the week before. So uh, people are definitely flying high on the football team right now after uh, that win. I hope North Dakota State runs the table for the rest of the regular <laughs> season so it doesn't seem like, oh, they're having a bad year. Yeah, and that's why SIU beat them. I hope it's sure. You know, that they play really well, and both teams can make the playoffs. Then, so that would be a, a big boost for Coach Hill and the Salukis. Well, hell, I I don't think anybody would have saw that coming, even with uh, uh, North Dakota State's uh, quarterback not playing. They were right. still uh, projected as seventeen point favorites according to Vegas. So, mm-hmm. I mean quarterback or not i mean the talent in north dakota state still speaks for itself and yeah a quarterback is a big part of your team 
but they have a lot of talent on that defense, and Carbondale is able to put up 38 points on them. So, yeah, big win for Carbondale. Big, you know, you know, big win for all the players there, and uh, maybe that means Semo's pretty solid too, since they only lost Carbondale by three in the fall. Yeah, could be. So Semo, I Semo just moved up to 16th in the rankings for uh, the Ohio Valley or for the FCS and in the Ohio Valley I think the OVC had three teams ranked in the top 25 last week so yeah I'm FCS in the spring I'm all for it this year uh college football all year you know yep so yeah it should be a fun week a lot of a lot of sporting events to take place and uh I don't have enough TVs for them so <laughs> I know you do you got 13 so might just sneak over and watch a couple games when you're not home but all right uh with that tj that'll wrap up episode 37 here on view of the valleys for tj hoover i am chris smith thanks for tuning in be sure to tune in next week for episode 38 as we'll recap the missouri valley and ohio valley conference basketball tournaments you can follow us on twitter at view valleys pod and be sure to subscribe to us on apple google and soundcloud hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and should be some good basketball this weekend have a good one everybody